Medicare for all. Your bros can suck my balls. Fuck your reply, guys. Please don't fuck your reply, guys. Just listen to reply, guys. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Reply Guys. Um, this is Julia. I am here alone this week. Kate is on the road doing stand-up, uh, which is so great. But I have a great interview for you with uh, the features editor of the new Gawker, George Severus. He's also a very good friend of mine. I think you guys are really going to like it. He's so funny and smart. Um, I also quickly just wanted to recommend two uh, pieces that I've read um, in the past week that I've I've really liked a lot. Um, at the end of the episode with George, we get into some some of his recommendations of what he's been listening to and watching and things like that. I uh, read the Rick Steves profile in the New Yorker by Rachel Syme, uh, which I just thought was was a delight. That's it's pretty. It's pretty light reading uh, if you if you want something of that nature, um, but it's still, you know, it's still affecting as you might as you might imagine something about uh, yearning for travel at a time like this is. And I also read a piece from back in 2016 on the Boston Review that I've been meaning to get around to for a while um, called "What Is Education For" uh, by Daniela Allen, and it's all about kind of a defense of the humanities in public education and why it's necessary to have robust humanities curriculum uh, for participatory readiness, as uh, she calls it, basically to make students prepared to be an active citizen. I thought it was very good. Uh, it doesn't sound as, I don't, I don't think it's quite as, maybe austere as it sounds. It's really good. I, I highly recommend it. But this interview with George is uh, so great. I, I, I really hope you guys like it. Um, if you could, I would just love if you could throw us a review on iTunes, uh, on Apple Podcasts, rather. Uh, it helps people find the show and uh, maybe could drown out the uh, reviews of people who say that Kate and I have vocal fry um, that would be pretty sick, but Kate will be back next week and we've got some great interviews coming down the pike. Um, we really appreciate you all continuing to listen. Here's the interview with George. Hello and welcome back to Reply Guys. Uh, Kate is on the road this week. We're back folks. Comedy's back, uh, <laughs> sort of. Um, so I am here this week with... Uh, one of the staff writers for the new Gawker. I'm an and editor. I'm an editor. Fact check. Editor. He's an editor. Oh my folks. god, folks. he's an editor. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> wow, off to a horrible start. I abs. Oh my god, cancel me, daddy. I. And with that, oh. I'll be hosting this week's reply, guys. <laughs> And um, as you could probably tell, he's also one of my my dearest friends, uh, <laughs> George Severus. Welcome back to the show. It's an honor. Uh, Last time I was I mean, here, I talked about when I accidentally tweeted, or I tweeted something that caused an uproar because I located <laughs> um, what 
it was a, a, a new gay destabilizing the community, I thought was a harmless joke. And then, in fact, I had to come on and break my silence on the podcast. And I believe the episode title was, and that destabilizing gay was, was me. me. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that was during the, that was when that was a current reference. It was during wow. the primary debates. I can't. Real fans will remember Kamala Harris told that story to prove Joe Biden was a racist. <laughs> um, yeah, God, so much has happened. Truly. Uh, he no longer is one. <laughs> he no, no. Actually, a lot of people don't know that, that he is, you know, she, she called him out mm-hmm. and then he asked her to be his vice president. Yes. And now... Not only is he not a racist anymore, but racism is over. That's right. So that's right. And you know cool what? Stuff. It had a good run, but it was time. <laughs> um, George, I am so excited to talk to you. I have been reading a lot of uh, of the new Gawker, um, which launched in late July. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gawker initially. Um, had its run from what 2005 to 2016. It was around there. I think I can't remember if it was 16 or, or 15 that it was officially it's, gone. I think it but there were many. There were many eras of Gawker yeah. too, and I feel like everyone has their own like favorite era. And by everyone, I mean like a very small selection of brain dead media savvy people <laughs> that um, have uh, a mental disease. <laughs> that. Uh, I mean, unfortunately, that is our target audience That's here right. on the show. And ours and, as well. Yeah. Um, and George is also the co-host of the very funny podcast, Radio Lab, um, with Sam Taggart. Yes. And we are coming back soon. We took a summer hiatus, but we're coming back. I don't oh, think... Oh, I saw the post. That's right. That's right. So it's it's coming back within the next uh, few weeks. I'll say that. Much like Gawker. Much like um, Gawker. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. We were, in fact, sued out of existence by a pro wrestler. Um, yep. funded by a tech billionaire and now we are coming back under Bustle Digital Group <laughs> um, so George just told a beautiful allegory for the story of Gawker which was sued into oblivion uh, by Hulk Hogan um, secretly funded by Peter Thiel um, and then it was bought by Brian Goldberg who is the head of Bustle, um, Bustle Digital, Digital Group, group digital group and brian goldberg is the founder of bleacher report um he now owns nylon magazine w magazine um gawker the outline and well the outline's dead (laughs) the outline is dead okay but he but he he did own i mean what happened was and i'm not the i am not i don't know all the details because as i was telling you before we were recording i for my own sanity i try not to think too big picture and I'm like I love everyone I work with and I show up to my job every day and like I can't, the the larger kind of like and I'm not even talking about just Gawker but like the larger business dealings in digital media are across the board so alarming that I just don't yeah. <laughs> don't want to think about them <laughs> yeah. too much um, but from what I understand so Brian Goldberg bought Brian Goldberg was like Someone that the old Gawker would write about often as, like, this is public. I'm not saying anything that you can't... As a punchline. As a punchline. I'm not saying anything you can't read about in the New York Times. But um, I 
he when they were kind of sued into oblivion he bought them at a bankruptcy auction uh, yeah like for very little money and then they tried to relaunch gawker a few years ago it didn't work out again i truly do not know the details but then in my mind it was almost like not by coincidence but like it was very serendipitous that he in the meantime bought the outline whose executive editor was leah finnegan who was a gawker alum so he was then in business with someone who used to actually be part of the original gawker team and so i think when he decided to launch it after the outline shut down he decided to launch gawker again and um leah was like someone he trusted someone he knew was good at her job and someone who used to be at the old gawker again i don't want to speak for leah for anyone else but it seems to me like it was like very serendipitous how the whole thing happened and i think it's like very good that the new gawker now is run by someone who both knew the old spirit of it and also is like you know wants to turn a new leaf and and make it into something slightly different and slightly more um current right um because I think one of the most recognizable things about Gawker is its tone mm-hmm. um, as a website in, in different iterations had had different tones, I think, but it's always been kind of biting. The um, old Gawker was, I mean, by Leah's own, I think, own admission, sometimes like cruel and self-righteous. And I know, uh, you know, I, I read there are two great pieces about the new Gawker in uh, New York Magazine and the New York Times, and it kind of comes across as um, exactly what you said. Her wanting to turn a new leaf, she's not trying to ruin anybody anybody's lives. Um, I do think that part was overstated in the Times piece. Like the, I think the headline was something like, "If if new like if Gawker, if Gawker is, is, oh, is nice, Gawker can is it still nice, be Gawker?" It, That's like never Gawker? something. Yeah. I don't think anyone explicitly was like, "Our new thing is we want to be nice." I don't think. I think like you can be more conscious about things like punching up and punching down or more conscious about like respecting people's privacy for instance when it comes to things like outing or publishing text tapes you can be more conscious about that stuff without necessarily being like the nice a nice publication like i don't think we're trying to be like upworthy or something like oh no um, it's yeah but i did i i thought the new york mac piece was great because uh, partly because it was written by Corey sika who was like and i a, a very notable and famous old gawker editor so i think Mm -hmm. he was like the perfect person to write about it yeah and george i just i i want to uh read an excerpt from the piece i I knew this was coming (laughs) yes um that i just would love to give you a chance to respond to um and this time unlike the extremely man-heavy previous mastheads of gawker with their big boy history of bluster their crew features so far one lone parentheses and extremely gay man that's correct (laughs) i I would love your comment i thought that was very funny when um when i read it and then all these people texted me like are you offended about what Corey said oh no my 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 question for comment was are you gay oh right right right. well (laughs) i mean it is fitting that i was outed in the (laughs) gawker um expose um You know, um, it's interesting to be on the other side of that <laughs> after I spent my days outing celebrities left and right. Um, but I don't know. I did feel, as much as I hate to admit it, it did feel cool to be shouted out, even if it yeah. was in that context. Yeah. No, I think, uh, look, I think going back to the is Gawker 
nice. I, mm-hmm. I also think that that part of it was overstated by the New York Times piece because, and I think it gets into this in the piece a little bit, uh, or Leah speaks about it, that you either have to be like so mean, it's edgelord mean, mm-hmm. or just like painfully earnest. That's right, yeah. And so I think of Gawker as like mean without the lobotomy. It's Yeah, yeah. You know, it's a thinking man's mean. Right. Well, yes, it's a th- I also think like uh, something that I thought was one of the big- biggest reasons I took the job and one of the things I was excited about, which I kind of like didn't think about Gawker this way until I talked to Leah about it, but Leah was basically like one thing people liked about Gawker, regardless of whether it was mean or whether it was nice or whether it was self-righteous, like it was funny. Like it had Mm -hmm. like the headlines even made you laugh and like the wording made you laugh. Like one of my favorite things I remember reading, and this was, of course, I also love the like politics stuff and the larger essays and whatever else. But like, I distinctly remember laughing so hard at this post that my current coworker, Allie Jones, who also was a, a, a writer at the old Gawker, she once like, it wrote truly like a daily blog, like I'm sure she wrote in like not that long, about um, Blake Lively launching a lifestyle website. And <laughs> she did a photo shoot that was like very kind of like intensely inspired by the Antebellum South and had this like very large description that was like romanticizing the Antebellum South, blah, blah, blah. And she just had this incredibly funny blog that was like, Every turn of phrase was brilliant. It was like Blake Lively wanted to evoke the joie de vivre of owning humans. Like it was just like <laughs> I, I, that's I'm like butchering the 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 what she actually said, yeah. but it was like it, it really was like yes, you can find a blog about Blake Lively's lifestyle website anywhere, but like that mm-hmm. was the one of all of the ones that were written that day in 2014 that made me laugh the most. And so I was like, and, and so I feel like yes, we have like larger, we have like essays that are more about politics or like things that I think where I think we can be a little self-righteous or whatever else but like on a day-to-day basis when people are writing blogs the priority for everyone is like is to be funny funny, without being stupid basically right yeah because even you know in in Gawker's quote-unquote like meaner days it was always smart you know it was always kind of the tone was always like very sardonic and irreverent and mm-hmm. I that's what I liked about it um, and I think that there is so much of that in in the new iteration I've been again I think that if for any of our listeners that haven't checked out the new Gawker oh yes please do please do it's so good um, um, a really controversial um, piece written by George right. was of course about um, the toast. That's right, the toast. Hashtag the toast. <laughs> Hashtag the toast. Um, also known as George's Forbidden Tree. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like, okay, so that, I mean, I don't really blog that much. Like, I, I mostly, um, my, my job is mostly editing the daily blogs and then occasionally I'll edit some of the longer features. So I, I feel like my job is probably like 75% editing daily blogs and 25% longer features if if that um but 
that was like, that's a good example of like, okay, yes, it's not, <laughs> I mean, I literally wrote like a silly blog about the fact that I tweeted about the fact that one of my favorite snacks is toast with peanut butter and heirloom tomato, which I know sounds gross, but is actually very good. And it has to be a good heirloom tomato. And then people were, um, okay, being, Garden. <laughs> and then people a were good being, heirloom tomato. Yeah. People were being mean to me online. So I thought, oh, it would be funny if I wrote like a blog about this in the tone of someone being canceled for like <laughs> yeah. saying a, a controversial opinion. And then, in fact, I followed that exact same recipe when writing about how this summer was bad. <laughs> it's time to say goodbye, goodbye to Flop goodbye, Summer. Goodbye, Flop Summer. Um, um, <laughs> but I do think I, there are people that are much better at blogging than I am in the, in the site. No, I love, I love your blogs. And I love the subheadline of the one about the toast was like, take a risk for once in your yeah, pathetic yeah, life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's like, I mean, both of those are obviously not... Um, self-righteous or like incredibly intelligent or political but i do think they still i hope at least are in the spirit of of gawker's sense of humor but then we also have like i don't know it's interesting because we've only been around for like a month and a half and there are i i think the goal is basically to like it, it kind of mix very funny irreverent like irreverent like pop culture and celebrity content along with some more like in-depth longer reported features and some you know essays that have like a unique point of view and whatever and just because that latter stuff takes longer it's like as time goes we're doing more and more and more of it so i feel like i'm i mean maybe i this is maybe i'm biased and maybe this is not reality but in my mind i i even see some people that like in the beginning were skeptical have started to share a lot of our pieces or like people who in the beginning were like, I don't know about this. Like then we published something that took like three weeks to write or like a month to write or whatever. And they really liked it. So I think in my mind, it's like we, everyone had all these expectations for the site. And I, I feel generally pretty happy with how um, it has evolved over the last few months. And everyone is oh, like, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't want to be, you know, uh, uh, what, what, what's the word? I don't want to be one of those people that's like, work is a family. But I do actually think everyone <laughs> I work with is very nice and very good at their job. Yeah, you're not part Sorry of to toxic. Sorry to be a neoliberal toxic <laughs> show. Part of toxic hustle culture. Yes. Um, work is family. Work, work is, is family. Life. We None of us get paid. Uh, <laughs> we all work around the clock and we love it. <laughs> But we do I have free wanna... kombucha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just want to read some of the headlines. Oh, please off do. Of I we the new I do want to say just like as a peek behind the curtain, and maybe I shouldn't. I don't know how much. Whatever. But we do a lot of like workshopping of the headlines as a team, which is actually really fun because it feels like a comedy writers' room. So yeah, that's oftentimes so fun. it's bordering on like onion reductress level. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle going on sex vacation to NYC. Mm -hmm. Pope to his haters. Surprise, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, this is a good one. Aquafina's PR team has not yet made a decision regarding the handling of her black scent. <laughs> that was, I, I will say, I didn't think of that exact headline, but I, someone shared something about her in the Slack and I was like, I was like, I don't think this is anyone's fault. I think they just haven't decided yet what the narrative is. 
Right, because there is that clip of her yeah. uh, being asked about it where she say she just keeps saying, "Yeah, I'm definitely open to the conversation." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, she, yeah, I'm open to the conversation, and then at one point she just goes, "And yeah." <laughs> I, for the Prince Harry one, I did suggest that we should do that they are on sex holiday because that's more British, but people that do not listen British. to me. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, oh, another one, uh, give me a gasoline scented candle. I love that one. That one, I have to say, um, that one was one of the first ones that was written. Like, we've had that ready since before launch, and we've that's been, like, so funny. spacing out some of these, some of the, like, evergreen stuff. But, yes, everyone, everyone loved that one. <laughs> Save the bees, except for the ones that killed 63 endangered penguins. Oh, yes. That was a joy to edit, I will say. I mean, <laughs> Jenny, who wrote that, is is one of the funniest one of the funniest people. I mean, I'm, like, looking. Um, I'm trying to see. Oh, yeah. We did this, like, silly one about Bella Hadid um, proving she was vaccinated by posting a photo from that was dated from August of her being vaccinated. And the headline is, Bella Hadid, for your information, I got the vaccine six months after it became widely available. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think what's so... I not only love the like covering of current events, but I also love the daily blog aspect um, that has always been been present in Cocker. Like I loved the the Darcy Wilder um, oh yeah piece that you edited. Um, I did I didn't my, edit that one, but that one was that one was really good. Oh, yeah, okay. um, and she it's called My Building. I shit you not is still doing the seven p.m. cheer for essential workers. Yeah, I mean that's just like a perfect. I mean I feel this way about. Like, one of the things I'm proudest of that I did edit was um, this piece about uh, this writer who, as, like, a long con, has been submitting all these fake Dear Prudence letters to Slate. Yeah. And, like, almost 20 of them got published. And, And I feel like that, as well as Darcy's thing, it's, like, the most exciting thing is when you find someone who has like a fun story that you know will do so well like the idea that darcy lives in a building that is the only building in new york that still does a 7 p.m cheer is like gold (laughs) and then the idea that i happen to like be introduced to this person who has trolled dear prudence for like years to the point where one of his letters made it to tucker carlson i was like this is truly i mean i truly felt like joan didion in the documentary we're just talking about (laughs) we're just talking about like meeting the kid that was on acid and she was like well it was golden <laughs> oh, Joan. Um, yeah, that is. I've I've made so many men watch that documentary. So many straight men. It's. Um, I have. I guess I have mixed feelings about it because it was produced by her nephew. But it, yeah. But you know, it's always a joy to see her on camera. <laughs> yeah, I really. She's. I mean, I don't know. She's still going. She still drinks a can of Coca Cola like mm-hmm. every day. Um, wait, I do. I just I'm scrolling and I found one that I do think you would enjoy, which is okay. by icon Kirsten Cinema needs her special juice, and that was this was because <laughs> our writer Olivia found that she, what was it again? It, it's that she like always likes posts from this one like wine mom meme account. <laughs> she like is obsessed with liking wine mom content. <laughs> anyway, that really checks that she. God, she is. There is a darkness to her. Yes, I, there sure is. What happened to her? I want to. I want like, 
there's got to be like a tell-all book about her in 20 years because she did go from she was she like had real kind of like activist bona fides back in the day and she is now like one of the biggest corporate shills yeah in well it's a slippery slope of being a member of the lgbtq plus community (laughs) (laughs) you know those wells wells fargo pride floats come for all of us one day that's Um, right that's right. And, you know, you never know how you're going to react. I mean, I once almost, it's punk hunt for HBO Max. <laughs> wow. I would have loved to see that. Um, well, I think that that's kind of all I wanted to, to talk about in, in regards to Gawker. Uh, just to, to close things out, I really just, things have been so bad lately. I don't mm-hmm. know if, if that's a fun little secret, but... Um, <laughs> I just wanted to know, like, what have you... You are one of my favorite tastemakers. Oh, my um, goodness. Well, I don't know. If, I mean, the listeners don't know. We are... We're, like... You probably are one of the people I talk to the most in my life, period. Yes. Because we yes. are... <laughs> I mean, we talk a lot, but also we're in a group chat with our other friend that is, like, one of my most poppin' group chats every day. Oh, yeah. Um, anyways, finish your question. I... <laughs> oh, I, just, I am like, very excited to be called a tastemaker. You're a tastemaker. I mean... You're the person who you're patient zero of the destabilizing gay. That's true, which then became a worldwide phenomenon, Absolutely. resulting in Sean Mendes. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So basically, I just want to know, like, what have you been listening to? Ooh, okay. Oh, I have a great answer watching? for this. I'm into this new musician who you would love, and her name is Yeba. Ooh. Do you know her? Mm-mm. Okay, she's from Tennessee. Yeba is Abby spelled backwards. Go off. Oh, God. <laughs> and um, there's this really great Times profile of her written by Jeremy Gordon, who actually used to work at The Outline, um, that I shared uh, on my Twitter. If anyone wants to go click on it from there, so I get the ad dollars. Absolutely. Um, but uh, she just like seems, first of all, she has an incredible voice. She's like this big. Well, actually, in fact, I was gonna—I was about to call her a, a Mark Ronson protege, but that's not really accurate. It's more like she was really good, and then Mark Ronson says this himself when he's interviewed for the piece. It's like it was not like his vision; it was like he was there to help her with her vision. But it's a very like—I think in the same way that Amy Winehouse and Mark Ronson had this like incredibly good—I don't know personally what it was like—but like this incredibly explosive creative partnership that created mm-hmm. like that amazing album I, I to me this is similar in that this album is so clearly like uh this girl's vision but then like executed just so incredibly well and it's like it has elements of r&b and soul she just has an amazing she's like southern and grew up in the like singing in her church and that also comes out she has a very like I think a very interesting, I mean, she's been through a lot of like trauma and tragedy and she talks about that a lot in the piece. And she also has like a very good head on her shoulders, not to sound too avuncular, but she's like (laughs) very much like people wanted me to kind of like, uh, what's the word? Like excavate my trauma for, Mm. for to, to like sell my story. And instead I kind of took a break for a few years and did it on my own terms, which I really appreciated. Like, I don't know. I just I was very impressed. Oh my god! With... Wait a minute. I know who she, I know who she is, um, because her 
she had this video go viral. Yeah, had, yeah. I guess I uh, I missed that. I missed that. I truly like. In fact, I did know her a little bit because she was featured on the Mark Ronson album that he put out a couple of years ago. But I never like looked her up. But but yeah, a lot of other. I mean, she's. I'm not like the first to discover her. But I. No, no, no. Of course. But, yeah, but she. I think, but I, I. She didn't have. A, I don't think she had a studio album. No, no, no. no. I, I think that was the whole thing. Is like she went viral. Like maybe like two years five ago. Years, oh, five, five years ago. Okay, there you go. But she like took a like she needed to do things on her own time, which I thought was. Which I think paid yeah. off because it's a really great album. And there were I I only knew of her because I watch a lot of YouTube and she was all over all of these like vocal coach YouTube oh, uh, because it's like vocal coach reacts to Yeba, mm-hmm. it's my mind or whatever, and everyone was just like going crazy over her. But, Interesting. Yeah, I'm excited to listen to her album. Yeah, no, she, she's great. Her voice is sick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she has a really great voice. And I was, like, talking to someone about how I hadn't been excited about new music in a while. And then that is, like, the first thing that has captured me in, in a while. Otherwise, I'm watching Murders, Only Murders in the Building, but it's, like, just okay, I would say. Yeah. I got a heavy eye roll from George yeah, for the listeners just, at home. <laughs> I just, like, it's not... I mean, my friend Eric described it on Twitter as search party for boomers and I think that's exactly what it is <laughs> so if that sounds up your alley then please check so it if out. that sounds good to yeah. you check out only murders in the building on HBO Hulu um, Hulu <laughs> <laughs> I just assumed it was HBO yeah I mean if only maybe they would have done a better job <laughs> oh in fact I'm watching two very bad Hulu shows Sorry, then I'll shut up. But I'm also still... I'm the only person in the United States of America still watching Nine Perfect Strangers. Oh, wow. Literally oh, the my worst gosh. show I have ever seen. Oh, my... Well, that's... But that... There's an enjoyability to that. Yes. There, it's, it's very much like a train wreck in slow motion. Um, yeah, real... Real bummer. <laughs> we talk about... In, in our group chat... Um, we talk about Nicole Kidman quite a bit and um, just like as a character in our lives Um, but I do know that this that she goes in and out of attempting a Russian accent a Russian accent yeah Um, (laughs) and I I mean it's really mostly the writing that's the issue because Nicole can like get away with not doing a good accent she's done it in the past and still turn out good performances and, like, everyone's doing their best. Like, Melissa McCarthy's doing her best. Bobby Cannavale. Like, Michael Shannon is doing... Is really trying. Um, <laughs> but it's just, like, the writing's just not there. Yeah. Okay, well, again, as a tastemaker, I also... Uh, and a cultural critic, a mm-hmm. gadfly. That's right. Um, I would... I, I just... Did you watch the Emmys? Yes, I'd watch the entirety of the Emmys, in fact. Me too. And I just... We don't usually cover stuff like this on this on this show, but I'm so desperate for levity that I just want to talk yeah. about fluff. Um, did you have any, any favorite moments? Well, or least I mean, favorite not moments? To be, yeah, not to be, like, cliche, but I really... I thought Michaela Cole's speech was, like... Well, I'll yeah. tell you what it was. It was, like... The, that one guy from Queen's Gambit had just won an award and Scott Frank and went and went so long yeah went director, so long director of yeah. the Queen's Gambit not somebody that anybody wants to hear from right. honestly like went so long and was so rude about it so like, rude he, he was like don't play me off don't three play different me times off and whatever and it's also like 
You can do that if you're like, I mean, you can do that if you are, you know, Debbie Glenn Allen. Close finally winning her Oscar in 2025 <laughs> or something. Like, sure. But you are like, so, you, you directed a Netflix series that like, was was fine. Fine. It was on Netflix. It was very successful. It wasn't like some. It underdog, was visually so, beautiful. Yeah. Like, Let's. And and good for you. And we all celebrate men and entertainment. But yes. <laughs> but it was just like the. It was so so tasteless and gross. And he kept going longer than any other speech. So, mm-hmm. I, I guess my favorite moment is collectively the fact that right after that, Mika- Michaela Cole went on stage and read one of the shortest speeches of the night mm-hmm. and it was so like perfectly put and and like um like inspiring and, yeah. and she just like with a straight face like without doing any theater just like wrote like read something she wrote as a writer <laughs> and yeah. and i i thought that was like it was almost like too perfect it was like if someone was trying to write about like toxic masculinity and like the resilience of women <laughs> like it was literally like a white guy just like blabbing on and on and being like borderline offensive and then uh, whatever so I, I i thought michaela cole i was like very excited for that win otherwise i don't I, I mean oh you know i was really excited about um uh julianne nicholson is that her name from oh, mayor yeah Mayor of Easttown, yeah. I really thought that was a really great performance, and I was very excited to see her win. I still haven't seen that, but I will say I think she is... I think she's such an incredible actor. She was in um, August Osage County. Yes, that's right. Which, uh, what a... I mean, if I have a movie recommendation... Yeah. I, I, It's weird to say that I love that movie, but that is, like, such... Because it's very... Uh, it's, it's very, very like, competitive acting. Yeah, because it's such a huge cast, mm-hmm. but but I do think that it it works because um, it's um, August Osage County uh, originated as a play, which is which I think really lends itself to competitive acting. That's true. Anyways. Yes, definitely. Um, yeah, no, it's like. But yeah, Meryl Streep, Julia, Julia Roberts, Dur- Dermot Mulroney, Juliette Lewis, Juliette who Lewis, I love, yeah. who is not in enough, mm-hmm. I think. Does not get enough role. I, she's such a, she's so good. Yeah. Um, Benedict Cumberbatch. That's right. Wow. And, yeah, but anyways, I think she's yeah, I think she's great. Um, I thought, I mean, the skits, the little skits were tough as they always that are. That stuff. I mean, when they did the fly joke, I was like, this is really it's, grim. It was. It was grim. Um, yeah, yeah they, I did, thought they did a Bowen, whole skit. Our friend Bowen looked great. He looked so good. His present when he presented, yes. it was very funny. It was like one of the only presenters who had some sage presence and charisma, mm-hmm. <laughs> and who actually stuck the landing with all the jokes. Mm-hmm. Um, I because thought, he's a comedian. Because he's a comedian. <laughs> uh, and I'm thought, happy for Gene Smart. Yes, very happy for Gene Smart. I thought Amy Poehler was very funny. Yes. Um, <laughs> How yeah. do I leave? <laughs> yeah, no, that was she, she was great. <laughs> she's she's very good. Um, yeah, but I, uh, you know, I, I think we're just coming off of the heels of the Met Gala as well, right. and we talked about we talked about that on the show a little bit last week, and I, of course, understand uh, why people have a certain ire towards. Uh, towards these events, but honestly, 
I think watching award shows is like one of the only joys that I have left on live TV. Yeah. Like I agree. watching live TV, well, first of all, <laughs> every time I watch live TV, like particularly like network TV, I'm reminded by just how overwhelming uh, pharmaceutical ads are. They sure. are absolutely <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, I, like, don't... The idea that award shows are more evil or, or like, that the Met Gala or whatever else is, like, more grotesque than anything else we're exposed to is simply is not an argument I respond to. Like, <laughs> if you're going to, like, big sporting events, if you're, like... Oh, yeah. You know, get, like, using meals... It's just, like... It, it, in the grand scheme of things, it's harmless for people to give themselves awards in the entertainment industry. Right. I mean... Um... But at the same time, we need to support the crew workers um, voting to union, to, um, excuse me, voting to strike. Oh, yeah. Um, and are, also, aren't there, aren't assistants? I, I've been seeing some rumblings about, oh, like. Um, I do. I, I just know about, I was reading about the, um, uh, oh my God, what is it called? The IATSE. Um, yeah, that's strike vote today i know assistant i mean maybe i i know that in the past i've um that keeps coming up because assistance it's like one of the most thankless jobs you can have mm -hmm. but i'm not i'm not caught up but my point well, is like the issues with hollywood are not about like whether or not award shows are corny they're about like the actual power <laughs> dynamics right and you have to support hollywood because at the end of the day it's an organized labor town. Exactly. So. <laughs> and also storytelling is so important, you guys. It's, you guys, it's so important to tell stories uh, about the triumph of the human spirit. And um, with that, George, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go. But um, I've had so much fun. Uh, where can our listeners find you? Um, they can find me on Twitter and Instagram at, at George Severus on both. And then please read Gawker.com. <laughs> Gawker.com. .com. I have my my coworker Claire Carasillo and I have a co-written piece coming up that is the like the literary blog literally no one wants or cares about. We are, our goal <laughs> is to get exactly five views. <laughs> But that will be well, out later this week. <laughs> guess what? I'm going to be one of them. Right. So you can't stop me. Um, George, thank you so much. What a joy. I love you. Love you too. Uh, see you later. Bye, Julia. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> thank you so much for listening to Reply Guys. If you like the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash replyguys, where we have a catalog of over 25 bonus interviews with renowned writers, journalists, and comedians, with an additional episode uploaded each week. The show is hosted by Kate Willett and me, Julia Clare. Our producer is Genevieve Garrity. Our theme song was performed by Emily Fremgen, who wrote the song with Kate Willett. Our artwork is by Adrian Lobel. If you want to find us on Twitter, we're at Kate Willett with two L's and two T's. And I'm at O Julia Tweets, O-H Julia Tweets. And Twitter is where you can, of course, also find our reply guys. They are always with us. Bernie, take us out. As I was
went walking that ribbon of highway, I saw above me that endless skyway. I saw below me that golden valley. This land was made for you and me. This land is your land. Your this land. land. 